Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. There is a famous techno club in Berlin that has a very frustrating door policy. People can queue for hours on Friday and Saturday nights only to be arbitrarily let in or turned away. In fact, there's such an obsession with the question of how does someone get in that an app with live queue updates was launched at the European Hackathon as well as a face scanning website that assessed your chances of getting in. Some people go, in fact, just for the experience of being turned away. It's a strange world. Now, the last time I went, probably about 10 years ago, we had planned what time of night we'd get there, what kind of clothes we would wear. We practiced our not bothered, but bothered to be there expressions. When we finally arrived at the door, the doorman, Sven, looked me up and down, looked away and said, not getting in. My friend tried to argue, but that was that. So we went somewhere else. You may be wondering, why am I telling you this story? Because if you're anything like me, you can so easily think that coming to God goes something along the same lines. In effect, the question is, what do I need to do to get in? And when I say get in, I mean get into a relationship with God with all of the love, acceptance, belonging, security, forgiveness, peace and purpose that comes in with it. You might be listening to this and, and thinking, but Tim, I don't even believe in God. Well, I bet that you have asked yourself similar kinds of questions. How can I be happy? Where can I find peace? What's my purpose? Where do I belong? What do I need to do? Or who do I need to be to be loved? Now, maybe you'll come along to church and look at the people who have got in and think, well, I'm not like them, so it can't be for me. Well, you see, there is a problem with this way of thinking. Firstly, you'll either give up and go away, write yourself off, frustrated and confused. Or two, you'll actually stick around but you'll always be kind of wondering whether you really belong or not. Not always feeling like you have it all together unlike everybody else. Or worse, three, you'll think that you've got it all together, that you've kind of made it somehow, and you'll be kind of looking around at some of the others and thinking, I'm not sure they really belong here. Well, if that's you today, if you find yourself thinking like that, I've got some good news for you. That's not how it works at all. The kingdom of God has a very different door policy to the one that you might expect. Now, to find our answer, we are going to travel from the front door of our Berlin nightclub to a conversation between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. You see, they were wrestling with the very same question. How do I get in? So we are in a series called It's All About Jesus, looking at who Jesus was and is. In the passage we're going to be looking at today, Jesus says one of his famous I am statements, pointing out to people, as we heard last week, that he's so much more than a good religious teacher or a prophet, but that Jesus Christ really is God. The context for this conversation that we're going to look at today is very important. Firstly, it happens on the Sabbath, 
For the Jewish people, the Sabbath is a sacred day, a day for total rest from work. Now, the religious leaders at that time, they created a whole list of rules to make absolutely sure that no one worked or did anything that looked remotely like work on the Sabbath. You see, it was all part of the way they understood how a person could get in. Now, into this comes Jesus. He heals a man born blind on the Sabbath and the Pharisees are really angry about it. They're like, he shouldn't be healing. Does he not understand this is meant to be a day off? In the end, they got so angry with the man born blind that they threw him out of the synagogue. Now, when Jesus found him later and heard what had happened, he said this, listen to this, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Now, some of the Pharisees who were with Jesus said to him, are we blind too? Because they knew he was talking about them. So Jesus tells them this story. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. George Adam Smith, the 19th century biblical scholar, tells of traveling one day across Israel and coming across a shepherd with his sheep. He fell into a conversation with him and the man showed him the fold in which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls and a way in. Smith asked him, this is where they go out at night? Yes, said the shepherd, and when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But there's no door, said Smith. I am the door, said the shepherd. Smith looked at him and asked, what do you mean? You are the door. When the light has gone, and said the shepherd, and the sheep are all inside, I lie in that open space, and no sheep ever goes out but across my body, and no wolf ever comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. Now, perhaps we now understand a little bit of what Jesus was talking about, just like his first hearers. You see, throughout the whole of the Old Testament, the people of Israel are described as being sheep with God as their shepherd. In the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 34, God announces his judgment against the shepherds of Israel, the leaders who really only looked after themselves, didn't really care about the people, but only what they could do for them. 
this whole chapter is incredibly scathing. In the end, God says to them, I am against you. I myself will look for the lost sheep and look after them. God promised to remove the savage beast that would harm the sheep because he wanted to send showers of blessing so that people could be secure, live in safety, so that no one would ever make them afraid and they would live in the land of abundance and plenty. Don't you want that? It ends with these two verses. God says to them, then they will know, this is talking about his people, that I, the Lord their God, am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am God, declares the sovereign Lord. Since those words were spoken, promising a shepherd saviour, all God's people in Israel were waiting for the one who would come and bring that shalom, the peace, wholeness, rest and flourishing. And yet when he had come and was standing right before them, healing the sick, the Pharisees were blind. They couldn't see that incredible promise being fulfilled right in front of them. You see, in their eyes, the entry policy for the kingdom of God was follow the rules. The entry criteria was about them, their own righteousness, their ability to do everything perfectly was their dress code. The rules kept sinners out, while they, the ones who had it all together and did everything right, did what they could do to get in. And if you did everything the way they said, then you also could get in. If not, too bad. And because this man was blind, they'd already judged him to be a sinner. And when he became a Jesus follower, well, they'd already decided that anyone who was Jesus' disciple had to be put out and they definitely couldn't get in. And that's why it says that in the end, the Pharisees threw him out of the synagogue. It's why now even his own parents had been terrified to speak out on his behalf. They didn't want to get thrown out too. But wait, you see, Jesus does something amazing in this story. Listen to what he says, because everything is turned around. For the Pharisees, it's actually horrifying, because in fact, it's them, the Pharisees, that are on the outside and are not getting in. They're in fact, in Jesus's eyes, trying to climb over the wall, breaking in as thieves and robbers. What Jesus is trying to tell us here is, what if our own goodness, our own righteousness, even our best religious practices, don't qualify us for entry into God's kingdom? Because in this story, it's not the experts or the Pharisees, but this man, the one born blind, who sees the coming of his shepherd saviour. It's this man, weak and sinful as he may be, who hears and recognises the sound of his shepherd's voice. And because of this, it is now this man who is able to come in and go out under the protection and provision of the long-awaited shepherd. But you see, that's not all. Because in verse seven, Jesus says this, I am the door. Why does he say that? Why does he use this metaphor? Because in fact, the conditions for getting in to the kingdom of God, it's not a policy, it's a person. A shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep and do whatever it takes to bring us safely into his fold. That shepherd saviour is Jesus Christ and he's calling all to come to him by name. I wonder, have you heard his voice? Have you heard him call you by name? He's calling you to come in. And he has come not to judge people for their sin and the things they've done wrong, but to set them free from it. 
and he wants us to enter his love and care and protection. It's amazing. Now, of course, there's only one person who is able to do that, God himself. You see, the Pharisees, they understood the implications of what Jesus was saying. They were absolutely outraged. And later, they picked up stones to kill him because in their own words, they said this, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Yet, the reality is that by rejecting Jesus, they were rejecting the very means for getting into the promises and the presence and the purposes of God because they were rejecting God himself. So, let me bring this all together. The message of the kingdom of God is both radically exclusive and radically inclusive. People say often when I talk to them about Jesus, I, I understand about believing in God, but what's so special about Jesus? Here it is. We're able to get into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. It is precisely at the point where we give up giving reasons to God for why he should love us and care for us that we're able to simply come to Jesus and enter into his kingdom by recognising that we need him, turning to him, trusting him, listening to him, following him. That's it. Until then, it's going to feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall. You see, there are not a million ways or a hundred ways or three ways to come to God. Jesus did not say, I am a door. Jesus said, I am the door. The message of Christianity is radically exclusive. Now this completely cuts across the prevailing message of Western culture that tells us that whatever pathway we want to choose will eventually lead us to God. Jesus is absolutely clear. Any person who tells you that always lead to God, whether they realise it or not, is a false shepherd, a thief representing the enemy who has only come to steal, kill and destroy. But he has come to bring life. If, as the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the full revelation of God the Father and he says himself, I am the door, how can there be any other way to come to God? He doesn't give us that option. See, the key to fullness of life is not find yourself, it's be found in him. However, just as the kingdom of God is radically exclusive, it's also radically inclusive. In verse 9, he says this, I am the door. Anyone, everyone say anyone, anyone who enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and find pasture. Any and Every person can come to God right here, right now, today. Jesus is calling all people to come by name to him. Earlier in John's Gospel, Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I will not drive away. Now, anyone means anyone. Anyone does not mean good people. Anyone does not mean people who have it all together. Anyone does not mean educated people. Anyone does not mean sober people. Anyone doesn't mean healthy people. Anyone doesn't mean married people. Anyone means anyone. It means all people. It's like you hear about famous clubs. Anyone who is anybody is there. Well, if anyone includes you today, I have good news. Jesus Christ is calling you by name to come to him and to enter into his love, to enter into his kingdom. Will you come to him today? One final thing before I invite two groups of people to respond. It's this. It is Jesus Christ that is the door. 
It's not you and it's not me. As I've reflected on this passage over the last few weeks, I have been confronted with how many times I personally have fallen into the trap of the Pharisees. You know, even though I entered through Jesus seven years ago when I was an absolute mess and when I definitely didn't have it all together, I found it so easy to end up in a place where I think I'm now sorted and I have created my own little door policies. It's meant that at times I've hardened my heart to some people just like the Pharisees rather than showing them the same kindness, love and mercy that Jesus has shown me. And in effect, closing the door on them and saying, not getting in. You know, whether that's by something I've said to them or something that I've not said. There is a door. There is only one door. But that one door is Jesus Christ. And anyone who is anyone who enters through him will be saved. So, in this story, there are two types of sheep. Those that are in the fold and those that haven't yet come in the fold. So firstly, how, are you one who is outside of the fold today? Then I want you to know that he is calling you. Hear his voice and come in. He's made it possible for you, whoever you are, whatever your story, whatever your background. And you see that the key is seeing that your shepherd has come for you. Later in this passage, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the one who came and chose to be thrown out so that we could get in. In Isaiah, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. Each one of us has turned and gone our own way, thinking we know best. But because of his great love for us, he doesn't give us what we deserve, but he died on the cross for us, carried the weight of all of our sin and rejection so that our names could be written on his list and we could get in. And now he's calling you to come to him. I wonder what's stopping you from turning to him today? Secondly, maybe you consider yourself to be in the fold, okay? Now, it is so easy to think, that's it, I'm good, I'm saved. Hashtag blessed. You know, maybe your prayer life <laughs> looks a bit like this. Oh Lord, would you clean my hooves? Oh Lord, would you brush my wool? Oh Lord, would you give me a bigger section of this sheepfold, bigger than that one anyway? Oh Lord, please can you sort out that sheep over there? And I'm pretty sure they're a goat anyway. Why did you let them in? <laughs> He's like, no. He's saying to us today, will you come and help me call other lost sheep home? You see, if you're in the fold, the key is the same as for those who have not yet come into the fold. You must see that the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. If, if you understand that what he did for you, he didn't only do for you, then not only will you be blessed with the shepherd's love and protection and purpose, but you'll be blessed with an even greater gift, the shepherd's heart. And it's, it's that heart that breaks for all the sheep that are still out there, the ones that he loves and gave his life for, that are being led in all directions by all kinds of bad shepherds, but they're all the ones that he's calling home. So, if you consider yourself in the fold today, if you've already come to Jesus, my question for you is this, will you lay down your life for the sheep? Will you do whatever it takes to help the lost and the broken come home? If you want to start doing something practical,
I want to encourage you to start praying for five people for five minutes every day, that God would call them home, that they will hear his voice and they would turn to him. And as you do that, God will give you his shepherd's heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are our great shepherd, that you have come into the world to call us home and that you've laid down your life for the sheep. You gave your life for us on the cross. And I thank you that you're not holding anything against any person, but you're calling us home today. And I pray now for anyone who wants to make that decision to come to you, Lord, that you'll enter into their lives and that they will enter into your kingdom. And I pray for those of us that are in the fold. Give us the shepherd's heart, Lord. Break our heart for what breaks yours and make us into little shepherds who will follow your example and do whatever it takes to call other sheep into your glorious kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.